girlfriends, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and, yes, even joy. Underlying every conversation is the hope we have in Jesus Christ, which makes it possible to not just survive the loss of a child, but to live well while we're waiting to see them again in heaven one day. You can learn more about our ministry and the free Bereaved Parent Retreats we host by visiting our website at www.whilewe'rewaiting.org. Welcome to episode number 170, which is a continuation of my conversation with Joey and Donna Sorters. If you missed last week's episode, you'll want to go back and listen to hear the story of their son Jaron's courageous battle against cancer and what the Lord has taught them as they're walking out their journey. Today, we cover a wide variety of issues faced by bereaved parents, including a discussion of the impact of child loss on surviving siblings. We'll pick up our conversation right where we left off last week. You know, at our retreats, we talk a lot about how men and women grieve differently. Have the two of you grieved differently? And if so, how have you worked through that? We were talking about this a while ago. And, and you know, growing up, I, I was never around death. You know, I don't yeah. know if I ever went to a, you know, a funeral, maybe my grandparents when I was older. But, you know, we never. And I just assume people just handled it the way every, you know, everybody was the same. You know, I, I didn't have a clue that people handled grief differently and, and maybe even really, you know, what grief was, you know, I mean, right, um, sure. and, and to me, you know, it hurt and, and I did it, but you know, my grief was more buried on Saturday and we started school on Monday, you know? Um, wow. Yeah. But my grief was, I needed to be back in a normal routine, you know, and, and try to get back mm-hmm. to, you know, the new normal. And I, I just couldn't sit here and, you know, um, grief, I guess, I guess I just had to be around people or, you know, just out sure. doing something. So I wouldn't just sit here and think about it nonstop. So, um, but I know Donna was totally different, you know, because I think she got mad at me for why are you going back to work so soon? You know, I'm like, well, I mean, you know, I have to. And then, you know, uh-huh. also I think with, in grief and I'll just quickly is our family, you know, not knowing how they, grieved and, and, you know, all of them were different and, and things like that. So that was something that, you know, was different for me. Like I said, mm-hmm. you know, I just assumed everybody handled situations the same, you know, but learning that that's not the case. So. And I would say he's totally right in that. I, I had already actually taken a leave of absence from work and was going to be gone for no, because Jaron was sick and I couldn't go back to work. I was going to be here to, so I'd taken that time off. And so like, you know, on Sunday, he's like, well, I'm going to go to work tomorrow. And I'm like, you're doing what? Why? Like, you know, and in my mind, I needed time. And so that was, I think one of the first things that really showed us how differently and I don't know mm-hmm. that it's a man versus woman. It's just individually right. what what sure. my heart and what my mind needed to be able to go out and face. And so he did go right back to work. And I took about six weeks off of work just because I needed that time to like just process and grieve the way I needed to grieve to figure out how I was going to function. I think that was probably our first, I mean, like literally three days after his going to heaven that we realized, okay, we are both doing this differently. And I think 
since then, we've kind of had to be open with, okay, you know what, this is a really bad day for me, or this is a hard day for me. And just learn to say that because some things that bother him don't really bother me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So like just Mm -hmm. being able to say to each other, this is bothering me today, or this is a hard day for me, because I do feel like we grieve extremely differently. Extremely. Yeah, and I think another key was learning how Jackson grieved. Yes. You know, yes. Yeah, here is a, mm-hmm. you know, a 13 year old boy in, in seventh grade where, you know, he's not thinking right anyway. And then, you know, losing his brother and, and trying was, to figure out how he grieved, you know, because yeah. he wasn't going to talk to anybody about his emotions or anything like that. So, it, you know, it took a while for, you know, I guess for him to kind of finally break down and, and really just spill that how he was hurting and how he was trying to deal with it. So, and I will say like, because of the way Joey grieves and the way I grieve, I feel like for Jackson, it's just randomness. He'll send us a song, Joey and I, or he'll be sitting there. He'll be like, Hey, have you heard this song? And like, it's always a song about missing someone. He, he turns Mm -hmm. us on to music. And so that kind of tells me, okay, for him, music must be his way of like, of that grieving, he shared a song, which is now one of our favorite songs. And I feel like maybe summarizes grief all over. And it's by Chris Young and it's called Drowning. And it talks about how, you know, it griefs comes in waves and tonight I'm drowning. And I feel like yes. that, uh-huh. that, I mean, he is the one who turned us on to that song. And so just, yeah, we grieve different, but then our child grieves differently too. And trying yes. to be respectful of, and, and, Honestly, this was hard for me, but to be on to be respectful of the way he grieves and what he needs versus what I need and, and just yes. being able to identify that. Yeah. You've got to figure out that balance yes. and give each other grace yes. for those That's differences. Great word there. And then when you throw that that child in there, the surviving child, and you know, your story is, is so similar to ours, um, in that Bethany was thirteen also, lost her only sibling, mm-hmm. her older sibling, her her rudder in life, you know, her best friend. And wow, you know, we, we have to give each other grace, but we've got to be there for that surviving child too. You know, we've got to be functional and be able to, you know, and man, it's, and of course I've done a couple of podcast episodes with Bethany where she, where we've talked about this, but not only did Bethany and Jackson lose their best friend, their older sibling, they lost the parents that they had always known too. Because I know that we were different in, um, you know, it's so hard. It's so hard. That's a whole nother episode right there. <laughs> but that is but that is so it's, true. Just how those yeah. things affect the whole family unit. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Like we were saying a minute ago, it's been seven years. I'm doing my, not great with math. So seven years. How would you say that your grief has evolved through the years? I think for me personally, I would never, ever tell a parent that it's going to get easier Mm -hmm. because I don't know that it gets, I don't know if easier is the right word, but I will say that I am more equipped and better able to handle the web and flow of grief and that it took figuring out that grief is not a linear process and I'm not going to go through this stage and this stage and this stage because, you know, you, one day I would feel like, okay, I'm good early on. Okay. I can do this today. I can do this. And then two hours in I'm, I'm a puddle mess. And so I think now I realize that 
just because a day starts great doesn't mean it's going to always be great all day. But just because it starts bad doesn't mean it's going to be bad all day. And that like, you know, it does ebb and flow and that's that's OK. And but mostly that maybe it's not linear. And then I would say that, again, I don't I would never use the word easier, but we do learn to become more equipped on how to handle it. And that like, I remember for, I can't remember the amount of time, but like I would wake up and the first thing I would literally say in my head is, Jaron's not here, he's in heaven. And like, I would have to start my day by mentally telling myself that I don't have to do that anymore. Seven years later, it is on my mind at some point every day, but it's not the only thing on my mind. And like, I don't know how to explain it, but for me, for a while, it took up probably 75 to 80 percent of my mental energy. Like it was always in the forethought. Now it's always there, but it can be in the background and I can have other things going and doing now. And some days it might be an anniversary date, a holiday, something like that. It might be all I can think about. Or some days it's just randomness all of a sudden. Again, with that web and flow, it just takes over. But I do feel like over the last seven years, I've learned how to like ebb and flow with the grief as it comes. Mm, yes. Yeah, that's good. I would say a lot of the same. Like I, I, I would never say easier either. It may be a little more tolerable at times. You know, and, and with us, it seemed like everything hits about this time of year, yes. you know, because it's, diagnosis. you know, diagnosis day death day and you know his birthday's here in a couple of weeks so it's kind of like we can get through middle of september it's kind of like you can breathe for a minute you know and and, and everything's kind of okay and then oh then you then you throw in holidays which is a whole nother podcast so um you know and then you get through that and then you, you know you get back to january and it's kind of okay you know so it's like i said i think it's just daily you know, it's a different every day. And like Donna said, you know, some days you wake up and you're, and you're great. And then I could be on the way to work and hear that one of those songs that Jackson sends us on the radio and literally bawling driving down the road, you know. Um, so it's just, you know, I think everybody handles it differently and, and you just got to kind of do what's good for you and, and what makes you be able to continue. So, And I think one of the things I would say is like, I have learned over the years to give myself grace. I give other people grace. Sometimes I just have to say, you know what? Today's one of those days. I'm going to give myself grace. I'm going to sit with my grief. And then tomorrow, it's another day. And so just learning to be patient with others. But I've learned to be patient with myself, too. Yeah. Just give yeah. myself some grace. I think grace. that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Giving yourself grace is really, really important. So it's been seven years, but think back if you can to those very early days of your grief. Talk to that mom or dad that's listening right now that is at the very beginning of that journey and they just don't know how they're going to make it every day. What advice might you give them? You know, kind of we talked about just, you know, let, allow yourself grace and, and to be able to handle it your way. I mean, there's no cookie cutter way. There's no textbook that tells you how to handle it. But, you know, the, the piece of advice that I would give and a lot of people, I don't know, think about it, but it's like when you, you know, we talked about holidays and, and things is, you know, the grandparents, you know, the aunts and uncles, you know, that's a, such an awkward time holidays. And 
God love my parents and my in-laws and everybody. But, you know, it was those first couple of years, Christmas was, I would just soon not been there, you know? Yes. Um, and God love them. They, they were trying, but, you know, they grieve differently. And you'd have, you know, like my mom who thought Jesus was going to walk in and save the day. And then when, you know, yeah. He did it. She was mad at him and just mad at the world. And it, it, you know, it took her a year or two to finally come to grips with that. You know, my poor dad, he would just say awkward things at the awkward times, you know? So I think to it, it, go, answer the question, the advice is just be patient with your family because, you know, you got to think they're grieving too. And I don't know if I really just sat down and thought about, you know, they just lost their grandson, you know, their grandson, you know, they just lost their cousin. They just lost their nephew. You know, it, it's like be patient with them because um, the holidays are tough. I mean, it, it is, you know, I remember the first holiday Christmas, you know, and we're sitting there and, and it's, you know, we're, I'm struggling not to just lose it. And then, you know, my sister, oh, it's picture time. Everybody come, you know, get in front of the tree. And it's like, oh. That's the yeah. worst. Yes. What, yes. what are we doing? That's the you worst. Know? And Donna jumps up and, and runs out. And I, you know, you know, it's like, oh, we didn't even think about that. You know, and they didn't either. But, you know, then you still got to live life, you know, and, and balance that in between. So that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is, you know, there's a, there's a hard balance there between, you know, grieving at holidays, but then, you know, being patient with your family because, they still have their normal, but they're trying to live in your normal for a little while. And it's just, it's just hard. So. I definitely think that is, you know, and I never say I would give anyone advice because everybody's so different, but I do say, think like, don't set yourself up with expectations for holidays because from our seven years, no two holidays has ever felt the same. And so I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. when you put these expectations on, these people are going to do this or I'm expecting them to do that. And then it falls through with what you had planned in your mind, then that that just makes the holidays harder. So I think that's probably some of the work for newly grieving parents as you approach days like that is like, just don't set yourself up for expectations that depending on other people, because other people don't know how to grieve. I think another thing I would tell parents newly to this is find your people, the people who let you say your kid's name and talk about him without like getting nervous, getting uncomfortable. For us, we have such amazing friends who laugh with us and cry with us. They ask us about Jaron. They know that we are open, but just, you know, find that group of people who allow you to talk about your child who is living in heaven, just as they let you talk about your child here on earth. Yes. That, that, is, that is so important to have for you to be able to cope day in and day out. Mm-hmm. Great advice. All of that. We had the same experience at Christmas time with the extended family and kind of their expectations of what we were going to, do and our expectations for what we really wanted to do and and not communicating that very well between us. And like you said, Joey, we have to remember that they're grieving too. They're just grieving differently than we are. And that was hard for us. It was hard for Bethany too. And I bet it was for Jackson, the cousins not understanding and, oh, that, that family picture in front of the Christmas tree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 
I still don't like that. And it's been 14 years. I don't like the family pictures. I don't like it either. In front of the Christmas tree. Yes. <laughs> but you know what you said there about, you know, Bethany and the cousins, I still feel like for Jackson, that is one of the times that we see him grieve the most is when we are all together. And because our siblings are close to our age, their kids are close to what Jaron and Jackson's age were. And so that is where we really do see him struggle a lot is when we're at these family events. And I don't want to say that, you know, outside of those, we've made a new normal life. There's nothing normal about it, but we've kind of got our groove and we know how to respond to each other, but that just throws a whole nother gamut in there. And it's, it's really hard for him to see all those cousins together with their siblings. And here he is Mm -hmm. without his. Right. Yeah. All of Bethany's cousins have a sister and, and she doesn't have one now. And so it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. I just have a heart for these uh, siblings. It's just, it's just hard for them. I think all of us that have lost a child have this very sharp dividing line in our lives of a before and after. We measure time. Oh, well, that was before Hannah. And, you know, this is after Hannah. And so talk about the before Joey and Donna and talk about the after Joey and Donna. How are you different or what have you learned about yourselves? Well, I think in my case, before was go, go, go. Just never slowed down. I mean, it was always doing something, you know, just ball games, practice, you know, just, just run and gun and never slowed down. The after me now is more laid back, more uh, don't sweat the small stuff because it's not worth the time and the energy to sweat and uh I was telling Donna, we was talking about this question too, you know, it's like, I'll sit out here and watch the sunset and notice the sunset, you know, or the, you know, the clouds or the sky, you know, when before, and that never crossed my mind to sit and watch the sunset or, or how the, you know, the sky looks at night, but that that's kind of where, you know, I'm at now is just, I don't sweat things that don't need to be worried about anymore, you know, because it's not worth the time and effort because, as you know, life is precious and you never know when it's going to change in a, in a blink of an eye or, you know, your loved one's not going to be here. So I think, and she may relude, we're, we're kind of just living, you know, quality now and, and just do as much as we can because you never know, you know, when, yeah. when your world's going to be changed. So, I mean, and we have to have jobs and we have to work. I mean, that's just part of life, but I feel like we put so much more emphasis now on people and relationships and making a memory. Like I had always been like making memory. And then after Jaron died, like every single ball game Jackson had, I would be like, go play hard, have fun, make a memory. Everything to us is about like, okay, what can we do to make a memory? We, we've got to do that. So, you know, just focusing on people, activities more than things. And then I would say a way I have changed a lot, like I truly believe that I am much more compassionate and like maybe even using the word empathetic that like, I feel like that that is something that has really grown in me. And maybe it goes back to some of that we talked about earlier, you know, wanting to be a childhood cancer advocate and knowing what some of these families are going through. But I would say overall, I am so much more compassionate for, for others. And then the one thing that I really cannot tolerate any longer is negativity. My, I feel like 
it takes a lot of mental energy to face the day. And I just don't have mental energy for negativity around me. So like I personally, when negativity is coming down, I'm just like, I got to remove myself because I don't have the mental energy for it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. And I think that's wise. (laughs) It's great. What have you learned about the character of God through this journey? I would say that, and this is hard because, you know, you want to say God is good and God is good, but the world we live in is not good. And I know I've said that before. It's true, but his character is true. And he promises us in Isaiah 43, in the Bible over and over and over that he will not leave us and he will not forsake us. And I feel like that is what I've walked away with is he provides what you need when you need it. He is good. Our situation is not good, but God is good and he is faithful and that we can stand on his promises. Um, One of the things I, I have noticed many times through this is on the days that I just feel like I am down, I'm doubting, I'm just... It never fails. I get a text. I run into someone like just out of the blue. I get this word of encouragement. And I just feel like, you know, that is God providing. And maybe there's one that's maybe one way that I am different because used to God would put somebody on my mind and I would be like, oh, yeah, I thought about them today. If God puts somebody on my mind now, I intentionally reach out and send a text, send a card, send a call, whatever to say, hey, God put you on my heart this morning because I know during that year of battle and the seven years since that there is no doubt in my mind that God has provided the word of encouragement that I needed that day through someone else. So I would say the thing I have learned about him is that he is true to his word and provides our need. Mm-hmm. Amen. Joey, I know your initial response when, when you got the news that this was cancer You said you fell out of your chair down to your knees and asked God if he was punishing you. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Where have you come from that point? I don't think he was punishing us, you know, and it's kind of like you, you wonder why. And, and, you know, and sometimes I think it had to be my, my son, you know? Um, And like I said before, you know, is it, do I like it that it was my son? No, but you know, I, I see that, like Donna said, you know, God's God and, and he's got his timing and, and his way of doing things. And it, it's going to be his way. It may not be the way you want it to be, you know, because I'll say this, you know, we prayed for healing and, and we didn't get it, you know. So we thought, well, he didn't answer our prayer. But then once this, you know, once that dot final diagnosis come, you know, we started praying for, you know, God take care of him. And when the good days are over bring him home. God answered that prayer. It's kind of like, I hear you, but I, I've got this under control. Um, you know, I'm going to do it on my time, on, on my way. Um, thanks for putting in your input and I'm, I'm hearing it, but you know, I, I'm still God and I'm still in control of this. So yeah, I, I think, like I said, that was my initial. I just remember like yesterday, I just thought, what did I do to deserve this? Because, you know, but then seven years later, I see the good that came out of this, you know, and, and I can say that now that God took my son. Um, but like Donna said, there, there's not a day goes by that 
I don't hear something or, or you know, see somebody wearing a T-shirt or, you know, a bracelet. You know, I had a guy yesterday or day before text me, says, hey, I need some bracelets. Mine broke, you know, and they've been wearing these bracelets for eight years now, you know, and, and it's, it's just like, man, what an impact my son made on this coach, you know, that he still wears a bracelet eight years when, you know, he could have moved on and, and not, but, you know, there, there's a lot of people that still wear them. And, and so it's just, I don't know where I'm going with this, but it's just, it's God's good. Uh, and like I said, there, there's so much that we've seen good come from this that wouldn't, he, it wouldn't have came if, you know, the, the circumstances would have been different probably. He, so. It was, guess it was probably two or three years after, probably two years, Anthony, maybe two years after, might not even been two years, you know, time does run together, but um, one of Jaron's very best friends asked us to stand with him at his baptism. And he said that Jaron's faith in the walk he had through his battle and then watching us and our journey after that, like, you know, so again, it stinks. It's not what I wanted, but God is using, uh, turning our ashes into beauty. You know, that's what he says he will do is he'll take our, and so we've seen that we've seen lives changed. And so I think that is what lets us see God's true character. If we only focused on him from our heartbreak and our hurts without knowing he can take this awful, terrible situation and use it for his glory then that that shows us his true character. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and one of the ways that you're making beauty from ashes is through the Play for Jaron Foundation. Talk about that. What What is the Play for Jaron Foundation? What are the funds used for? Tell us about that. Well, it was kind of like, you know, we talked about this community was so good to us and provided for everything. And, you know, once Jaron went to heaven, we thought, you know, how could we help people that are going to go through the same journey? You know, because unfortunately, you know, like Don said, every day there's, you know, dozens of families that get that news that just punch you in the mouth type deal if you know your kid having cancer. So we were just trying to figure out a way to raise money to help childhood cancer research. Uh, you know, we, we've used funds to help families in need. You know, the first couple of years, I know that was the main was to help families on the fourth floor at children's, you know, um, I know, I think we heard a story where, you know, mom was able through funds, not have to work the last month of her daughter's life because, you know, she was taken care of through, you know, money we raised that then, you know, and now Donna can get into more, you know, the children's getting the new or UAMS getting the new research center and stuff. So, I mean, you know, not saying our money went to that, but, you know, some of that goes to that things where, you know, Hopefully, you know, there there will be some type of cure or, or, you know, later down the road. So any little thing we could do to help as well while we still fundraise and, and put on baseball tournaments, you know, and just, you know, going back to, you know, his legacy and, and touching kids. You know, we, we we have a baseball tournament in, the, in, in September. You know, there may be two, three, four hundred kids you know, that will hear his story and, and, you know, get a bracelet and some that come back each year after year and they, they, you know, it's the term they look forward to. So a lot of good has come from this and, and, and through the foundation, we're just able to do more through, you know, hosting things and, and fundraising that way and stuff. 
Yeah. And I will tell you that, like, when Jaren first was diagnosed, you know, how everybody kind of has a theme or a motto. Well, our, our motto was pray for Jaren. And so that was everywhere. We had bracelets at that time that said pray for Jaren. And so once once he passed away, we were like, well, he doesn't need prayers. We need prayers, but he's happy and healthy and doing everything, you know. So we were like, but you know what? We want people to, again, going back to how he was and his tenacity and his like grit and his just go, 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 let's get this done attitude. So we're like, hey, let's just name the foundation play for Jaron. And he actually had some friends that were telling us, you know, every time I get on that field, I'm playing for Jaron. I'm playing for Jaron. So that's kind of where we came up with the name play for Jaron Foundation. And we do raise money. Um, every year we help with, as he, as he said, you know, Arkansas Children's Hospital, we are a big sponsor for them. Just that oncology department giving, donating money up here to Northwest Arkansas Children's just to kind of get that program to help help parents there. But like a lot of times it is just giving money to, to the four collect K floor to say, Hey, if you have a family who needs something, here's, here's some gas money, here's dinner money. Like, because we were so blessed to have those. And so we just feel like anything we can do, if there's a way we can help ease someone's burden, then we definitely want to do that. And then we also do our, um, scholarship program. You know, we didn't talk about this with Jaron, but he was very scholarly, very bright and like driven in the classroom as much as he was on that. So each year we give away three scholarships in his name. And so that's that's good for us. And it's one of our favorite things to do because we're hope, you know, our goal is that we're helping some kid attain a goal of going to college or a trade school or whatever it is they want to do. Yeah, so two scholarships absolutely. go locally to um, the high school that he would have graduated from. And then one is in the state and it's for a child going to college that has life has been affected by childhood cancer. We've given it to childhood cancer survivors. We've had some that were siblings uh, receive it. But that's kind of where where our Play for Jaren Foundation came from. And for us, it's just a way of like honoring Jaron's legacy of going out and fighting, even when it looks down and you're like, this is hopeless. We're going to keep fighting. Yeah. We get that from him. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And so if people want to learn more about the play for Jaron foundation, if they want to make a donation or something like that, where do you have a website? Yes, it is www.playforjaron.org. Okay. I'll put that in the show notes so people can find it easily. So one last question I always like to ask, just to kind of close out my interview, has music been an important part of your journey? And I know it is for Jackson, and he's been sharing songs with you. What songs, what is on your playlist? You know, one of the, for me, two songs that I listened to every day initially, like they were the two songs I would get up and I would be like, I need to hear these songs. One of those was... um, Dancing in the Sky is one of those. I love that song. And then um, that that song with uh, Chris Young, Drowning. That, that's another one that, Jaren, that Jackson had shared early on. I love that one. And then another one that I like to listen to is I Can Only Imagine. Because it just talks about, and it, I just feel like I am so close with Jaron when I hear that song. That like he is there face to face. So like those are a couple of the ones that I've I've for me have just a really strong meaning. The one with um 10th Avenue North, I have this hope. 
And I just feel like that sings to the depths of my soul because some days my hope is literally only in the depths of my soul, but he is there and he is good. So those are probably three of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good ones. I think mine's more of the country genre of songs. Um, You know, like I said, Jackson, he'll, he'll find new ones, but uh, probably the two that I, I literally will just be, soaking wet with tears is a song called hell of an amen. Um, we played it, actually played it at his funeral when we, you know, on the way out, it's just, you know, talks about, and there's a verse in there that talks about a kid being diagnosed with cancer and just say, bring oh, it wow. on. And it just hits home like every time I hear it. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be soaking wet with tears and that just, balling by myself or if we're going down the road, I just have to, Donna knows that song comes on, you know, there's, I'm going to tear up and just ball. So, but, uh, but there's several of those and, and just that just have that heaven theme to it and just missing mm. people and, mm. and that, that just kind of hit home. And then, you know, you start really listening to lyrics more, you know, when those songs come out and then they just, like I said, they really just kind of, hit home because the song I was talking about, even the, the first verse talks about a, a, a war hero. So it kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of the Browns, yeah, you know, the first absolutely. verse and then the second verse is kind of ours. So it's just, it's kind of like, you know, that that's just kind of the song that kind of hits me the most. So, yeah, I'm going to have to look that one up because I don't know that one. I, I need to listen to that one. It's Brantley Gilbert. Right. Is the, Brantley Gilbert. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. can find it. I can find it. Well, y'all, we've had a great conversation this evening. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? No, I will just share real quickly. Like, And I actually have this tattooed on my arm, and I feel like it kind of sums up our life in general. Like, Prior to Jaron's diagnosis, we had a pretty perfect life. And, you know, early on in there, we we decided that we were not going to wait for this storm to end. We were going to dance in the rain. And I actually have that tattooed on my arm. And I feel like, yes, that was our motto through, through his battle. We're going to dance in the rain. And we are going to make the most out of every single day. If we're at Children's Hospital, if we were home, no matter where we were, we were going to make the most of that day. And I feel like that has kind of been our mantra since. It's like, you know what? Yes, it's a storm, but we're going to dance in the rain. Yeah, that sounds like a mantra that Jaron would adopt for himself. Totally. I think that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I so appreciate you guys. It's been great to visit with y'all and just kind of even get reconnected. It's been a while since we've seen you. And um, just to hear Jaron's full story and uh, just kind of, you know, he's just such an impressive young man. And he obviously had great parents. And um, I've just enjoyed getting to visit with y'all this evening. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you yeah. guys for all you do. You're, the the Wawa Waiting Foundation is an amazing gift to families in our in our child loss. Yeah. We're well, thankful for you. you guys. So thankful for you guys. Yeah. Well, it is a blessing to us too. 
Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.